Today on the Relationship Revival Show, I'm joined by Jamike, also known as J.K. Amazie. J.K. is an accomplished executive porn addiction reboot coach with a track record of success in helping high-performing executives and entrepreneurs overcome their struggles with pornography addiction. And as a behavioral specialist and mindfulness-trained expert, J.K. provides bespoke and discreet coaching services to individuals who are seeking to overcome their addiction and reclaim their lives. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, JK Amazie, how you doing? I'm fantastic, man. So glad uh, to be on your podcast. I appreciate yeah, welcome. It. You know, it's to me, it's interesting what breaks a couple up, uh, what external factors there are. Um, as a porn addiction kind of specialist, I, I guess would you would you call yourself that? Is there another label that you would want to assign? <laughs> You know, there's, there are very few labels that people will take seriously. I remember when I started and I saw this porn addiction recovery coach, I was like, what is that? Did you just make yeah. that up? And now pornography is so uh, oh, prevalent that anything goes. Uh, you can call me a porn reboot coach. Okay, porn reboot coach. Um, as yes, as someone who does that, you know, I'm sure you've seen more of it than me. Um, I, you know, almost all couples that I see come in because it's either infidelity or they say communication. Those are kind of the two things that people say when they call. Like, oh, we're just having Oh, there was somebody cheated. Those are the two things. And yep. um, one thing I found interesting is that people have very different definitions of infidelity. And uh, porn is on a spectrum there between liking Instagram, actually watching kind of classic pornography, like on the different websites that are easily accessible. Um, sometimes, you know, only fans where there's, it's porn, I call it porn plus where it's like porn with like a possibility of some interaction or camming and stuff. Um, where do you find people come to see you the most? Where is the, the, the most typical, um, you know, traps for, for people to kind of fall into with the, where they realize they have an issue. It falls across a broad spectrum. For the most part, it is men who are viewing pornography to the point that it is obsessive and it has begun to interfere with different aspects of their life. Um, a lot of men reach out for three main reasons, if you were just going to categorize it out of love, out of duty, or out of fear. Um, and, and this is just to make it easier for your audience to understand. Um, out of love usually happens when it's um, you actually really care for your partner and you realize that you're hurting her. Uh, maybe you didn't realize you would hurt her, but she found out about this spectrum you brought up, uh, John, which is uh, maybe she saw you following models on Instagram. Um, she she found out that you watched pornography, you left something in your browser history, and she's very upset about it. And you don't want the relationship to fall apart. So for the first time ever, you are willing to take a closer look at your behavior and perhaps even redefine it 
Um, so that's one reason that men show up. Uh, duty is when um, I typically find this in men who have like 1.5 kids. They've had their first kid. They're <laughs> heading to the second one. Very stressful, typically building your career, transitioning into your side hustle. And um, you have this newfound sense of duty. You're like, I need to succe succeed financially. But I also have another kid coming along. And I am defining what it is to be a father who's responsible and financially free. So there's this sense of duty that comes with it. Um, and this is not the father I'm, I imagine myself being. I cannot get stressed out and in the middle of the day mentally check out and go to Pornhub and masturbate. Yeah. And fear is often happens when um, your partner, your spouse has threatened divorce or separation or you are at risk of being exposed or maybe you've used your work laptop to act out. Uh, or you've watched material that uh, the FBI agent that's in your webcam uh, <laughs> might, <laughs> might might have freaked out about. Uh, uh, and then fear is one of the things that that prompts men. But for the most part, it is a to generalize, it is a realization that your behavior is beginning to interfere with one of the major domains of your life: spiritual, um, financial, emotional, mental, or social. I think that's a really good definition because it's it's different. For, it's not like, hey, he watches it once a day, three times a day. It's what is it? How much is it to interfere with something else in your life? Is that right? Did I, did I get that right? Absolutely. I think it's very easy for us to both a man who feels he has a compulsive behavior, his partner, or those around him to judge it by the number of times he engages in the behavior. They're absolutely right. It's you measure it by the impact it has. I have clients who watch pornography once every few months, but each time they do, it is a major binge. Um, and they, they feel a hangover the next day and it's weeks before they are able to get stimulated by their partner. So basically they, they have what they call sexual satiation where you've been overwhelmed by the intensity of virtual stimulation that being with your wife is not enough. You, She's not multiple tabs. She's not different ethnicities and shapes and sizes and, and novelty. She's just this person uh, who is very human, very real and not airbrushed. Right. Uh, so we have that. And then we have the guys who they're just doing it every day. It's um, middle of the day, super stressed, no coping strategies for high cortisol. So they they rub one out, um, but they realize that the type of pornography that they need to watch is escalating in novelty. They find that they need more and more taboo material in order to experience that level of arousal. So let me take it to another. Let me take it to another place. Let me ask you. I'll kind of paint a scenario. Let's say you have. Uh, it kind of came into my practice. I'm kind of curious how you would, you would classify this. The guy masturbates every night using porn. It's pretty tame porn. He doesn't feel the need for it to escalate to more taboo material. Um, he's able to focus at work. It doesn't have anything. The wife is concerned just because she thinks that number's high. Their sex life is fine though. So it's really just one of those, like, isn't that a lot kind of questions? but he's functional. Is that still an addiction? It depends. It depends on what are some of the other effects that it's having on, on his life. Um, Let's assume you know, none for a second. Their sex, life. their sex life was great. Was. Well, they're no longer clients. 
Okay. When I, <laughs> so you don't yeah, when I was working with them, their sex like they're like, no, we still have sex twice a week for their age and their yeah. rhythm. That was fine. And I said, we're bo- are both you satisfied? Yeah. Are both you able to do what you need to do? Both are you able to climax? There's no resentment. Yeah, yeah. But still, even after they had sex, sometimes late at night, if he was working, it was a de-stressor or he was bored or whatever. It was. It became habitual. Um, but it didn't have any negative impacts. And it was like, Hmm, okay. Interesting. You know, so I'm kind of curious as a porn reboot specialist, you know, coach, what your take on something like that would be. If that really is the case, then there isn't a problem. Right. I tell clients. That, that was my um, take. That was my take. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think you were absolutely right as a professional. I was like, all right. I mean, if, not, if it's not yeah. hurting anything and your sex life is good, who cares? You know? <laughs> Exactly. Just be hyper aware no, if something I, does change, you know, like if you start saying, oh, I need weird porn and, you know, like, or, you know, that's, that's where it gets really iffy because it, it, you're, you're just every day, there's a lot of opportunity for it to go off the rails, you know? This is true. Yeah. This is absolutely true. Uh, we don't demonize uh, your sexuality or your use of pornography. It's only if it's damaging to yeah. you. And at the end of the day, people's lives are, sexual lives are, are a private thing. Um so yeah, no, I agree with you. <laughs> what's, your, what's your conclusion yeah. of that? Okay, couple? I'm glad. I was like, hmm, I wonder. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was nervous. Job. Like, did I do something wrong? It's because it is such a uh, it's such a tricky toe the line. I mean, listen, they they were with me for a little while and they were totally fine. But um, but yeah, I think some of that was also just stigma, um, which which you have to kind of define the line. But I think that I love your definition. It's like something, and this is where you see like that more more people need a stronger definition of what addiction is. And I loved yours. It's like when it starts affecting other areas of your life negatively, that's an addiction, right? It could be your health. It could be your mental health. It could be your emotional. It could be the health of your relationship. It could be your work. But when it has that negative impact, that's an, and you still do it and you can't control it. That's an addiction. Absolutely. Yeah. When there's that um, persistent failure to control it, um, and it is something that is impulsive and continues over a long period of time. Those are the signs that it is something that's compulsive and addictive in nature. Yeah. Let's talk about how the role of a relationship can be a challenge or even be a, a point of, of strength through an addiction recovery like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there something specific you'd like to know? I'm only asking because you work with with couples so much. I'm sure that I think so. So I mean, not I. I wanted to know like broadly, but I if we want to put some context on it, I'll give it another example. So, like, let's say someone does have an addiction, and I'm thinking of one one instance where, and there were many, but there's one couple where it was like an OnlyFans uh, addiction, and so the wife felt a certain amount of betrayal because. You know, on OnlyFans, I've never been on the platform, but apparently there's, there is communication. So you can request photos and, and there, it seems a little bit more of an intrusion than an anonymous porn site, like a Pornhub, like you mentioned. And so the wife felt uh, a sense of betrayal, even labeling, labeling it infidelity. And the husband was still struggling, but you know, it's there, there was a getting through that resentment. How do you kind of help? tell him how to react with his partner. How do you, how do you kind of show that it is something they can go over? Um, and what's, you know, working with a person on an individual level, which I rarely do, you know, what's, what kind of advice would you give someone in that type of situation? 
the first thing I would do would be to address the partner's betrayal, because if there's one thing that's going to destroy that relationship, it is the unresolved betrayal. As you've probably already noticed, anytime that a partner feels betrayed, it become it quickly becomes complex and irrational because the female partner, let's generalize and use that that as the, the context for this, um, is, is having a lot of a past trauma from being lied to um, in past relationships. A lot of that is coming up. A lot of issues that have to do with jealousy and her jealousy templates, if you want to call it that, is brought up. And now her unsuspecting partner is bearing the brunt of years of, of this betrayal trauma. So I would always say that needs to be worked on first. I would say the most important thing is addressing the betrayal aspect of it. When it comes to OnlyFans, however, I feel the partner in most cases is justified because the difference between OnlyFans and a site like Pornhub or any other site is that the partner is seeking intimacy. That's where the, the problem lies. I feel educating the male partner who's using OnlyFans about the reality of OnlyFans really takes away a lot of the allure that that site has. Firstly, when they realize that it is marketing. Um, for a lot of the top OnlyFans girls, they are not managing their accounts. So they also, just as you asked me about group coaching and stuff like that, um, <laughs> there are people in the Philippines and Bangladesh who have templates and are responding to these men once the women reach a certain level. Yeah. But the reality is the man is seeking intimacy. And if he cannot find intimacy within his committed relationship, then there's an intimacy issue there. And that's what you would probably start working with with the couple. Yeah. Very often what I find, and I, I guess we can compare notes here, is uh, when I'm dealing with someone who is in that phase of building their career, building their kind of mini empire, um, the lack of intimacy has come really from a sense of their lack of boundaries of how much they work. And so the porn or the OnlyFans or the Instagram following and DMing is because they're working 10 or 12 hour days and there is no time for that intimacy with their wife, but obviously they're human and they want to feel some kind of connection. And so that's where it starts to kind of get complicated. And then that becomes a, a deep sense of rejection for their partner because they're like, if you just came home and spent an hour or two with me, like you can have the real thing and they're, and they just can't seem to unplug. No, that is such a great um, observation, John. I actually never thought of that. I never thought of that. We we teach our clients to put aside time to spend with their with their partners every day and to understand their love language and so yeah. on. But I never connected the hours that they worked with um, a diminished sense of intimacy with their partner. That's definitely something I'm going to look at. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I will say that the first thing that I do, if it's any help to you, but like the first thing I do with my yeah. couples in almost every session is get a timeline of like what their day looks like. And I, and often, especially if they're young parents, the first thing I'll notice is your bedtime is the kid's bedtime. When do you have time for each other? And they'll say, we don't. And I'm like, well, there's the biggest problem, you know, move the bedtime up a little or stay up a little later or go to work a little, you know, don't wake up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, wake up at five. I mean, there's so many things that you could do to adjust that. Um, but it's, but yeah, I mean that, that lack of time is such a killer. It's such a killer um, because now men have to figure out, okay, well now I got to squeeze in my physical needs into this 42nd <laughs> 
bathroom break, you know, and, and I can't, that's a little too much to ask of any wife. So it's like, all right, but I know I can rely on a couple things on my phone. And, and if I only have 40 seconds, I got to go to the most extreme porn that'll, that I know will work for me. And so that, you know, it becomes really kind of crazy. Um, Absolutely. I, I will add, uh, John, thank, that's actually very helpful with the structure and the timeline. I will add that I rarely find a case where a man has a problem with OnlyFans where pornography did not come prior. So that's like a, it's like a gateway drug of sorts. Pretty much. Yeah. It's a funnel to, to OnlyFans. It's very rare that a man goes straight to OnlyFans. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Does Instagram play into your world much? I mean, I've had, I've had some wives have some real issues with men kind of sliding into girls' DMs. And these are men that don't typically use porn that much or the wives are okay with porn. And I think that it's, it's the same thing, right? There's that search for intimacy because these are real, quote unquote, real women. Most of the time they're not either, you know, but, but at least in their <laughs> mind on a surface level, they are. Absolutely. Good question. One of the first things we focus on is men's environment. And when it comes to environment, it's not just their home and work. It's also what they're doing online. Instagram is a very heavy boundary that we set with our clients in the early stages of their reboot. Um, Instagram is more or less a dating app. Um, every social media platform goes through different stages. And there's Instagram is at that nasty stage uh, towards the end of its lifespan <laughs> where so many people are using it. Um, and we also have to look at it from a sociological perspective. Men who would typically never have access to these women feel that it's very easy to meet these women. Yeah. And so the barrier to entry of a DM is very low, yeah. which is why I don't blame the women for also having the OnlyFans link in their profile uh, because they quickly realize, oh, these men who I would typically not find attractive have such easy access to me. Well, I need to switch that up. And so... Society is changing in our our sexual marketplace behavior, uh, and this is one of the ways. But Instagram is a big problem. Most men, once they get on Instagram, they might get on there for entertainment, motivation. But what matters is that they're looking for a hit of dopamine. They're looking for some sort of endorphin rush. And if you are already predisposed neurologically to to seek some sort of stimuli that ends in orgasm, you're going to move towards the women in bikinis. Yeah. You're going to progressively go towards things that will cause you to, uh, to slip or relapse. Yeah. And I think one thing that's super, you, you talked about the, you know, the, how easy it is to slide into the DMS, like the entry point, the barrier of entry. And I think one thing that women don't understand is how sensitive to, um, rejection and the feeling of being desired in your relationship as a man um you know women just it's just a taboo subject men can't complain that they don't feel desired and they just don't think that they can communicate that but it's connected to the sense of rejection so if you text somebody or send a dm over the chance of rejection feeling that sting is so small it's like all right they didn't reply Right. It's like, who cares? I can DM 17 other girls in 15 seconds. You know, I just copy paste the same message even. So it's, it, it, but that's, that's also something that kind of feeds into it as well. Um, Certainly. I think the financial part is, is, is something that, that um, germinates or rather sprouts at some point during that. You said that, um, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. You said that men are not used to, was it communicating? 
rejection or desire yeah desire yeah they're the the lack of desire is something that men just won't talk about because you know it's like i don't feel wanted is it's very it's it's hard for a man to admit that absolutely i love that you brought that up um i also think in this culture when men are not thought how to feel desired especially when they get into a relationship and their priorities change um, they begin to lean on the one thing they feel society values them on, which is their financial status. Um, and thus they feel that money is going to get them that feeling of desire. This is what OnlyFans feeds off. This is what the rise in, in sugar dating and sugar babies and sugaring and all this stuff. This is where it comes from. I actually think it's not going to stop. I think that uh, I think this is going to become uh, an accepted thing societally. And nobody thought OnlyFans would be as accepted as it is today. It's still a little bit taboo, yeah. but people just talk about it very casually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's more, it's the- more accepted to talk about OnlyFans than it is Pornhub because it's like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, well, what do you do on only and people are making money and it's new and interesting. And it, it doesn't fit that classic porn mold. Cause it's like, maybe they're just talking and it's like, well, nobody really is, but like, it's just, we know what you're yeah, doing. but it's yeah. just, it's for some reason, I think even a, amongst the corporate circles, I've noticed people are more comfortable talking about that than they are, you know, the, the kind of the more passive pornography. Absolutely. Uh, this is one of the reasons why when it when it comes to rebooting, we don't just focus on the man ending his out of control behavior. We focus on him finally changing his self-image. And that only happens when you define what you want to 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 feel like and look like and what desire is to you and what intimacy ultimately looks like once you've regained control. I think too many people approach it as just, I just want to change a habit. If it was just a bad habit, they wouldn't end up with their wives talking to you, John. Yeah. Um, and their wives wouldn't be looking to leave them. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I want to go over some, because I'm not, I'm not in this world as much, but I feel like there's a lot of mixed messages depending on where you get your information. Where do you find the most dangerous misinformation is, or not where do you find it, but what do you think like some of the biggest myths or some of the biggest you know, lies about porn addiction are and and let's kind of dispel some of those myths right now so that people can get some clarity. Absolutely. The first one is that you cannot get addicted to pornography. Um, I was a porn addict myself for many years. I was the one who gave myself the label of an addict uh, because uh, prior to that, I tried to treat it like a habit. The reason why it is a myth is because most of us view uh, addiction as something that is substance-based. Um, for my typical clients, um, let's say they're a C-suite executive, their image of an addict is someone who's on the streets making absolutely bad decisions with their money and so on. But pornography addiction is not a substance addiction. It is a process or behavioral addiction. So while it starts with you hoping to get orgasm, as you require more and more dopamine to get to that point, you start becoming addicted to another aspect of the process. It could be um, some part of your ritual, the taboo nature, the fact that you may get caught, the type of pornography you watch. And this is the reason why men spend an inordinate amount of time on it. This is the reason why they have multiple tabs open. You're not just chasing the orgasm, you're chasing the feeling and you need to watch more and more novel material in order to get that dopamine hit. Um, so that's the first myth that it's not 
uh, it's not an, addi an addiction. We, we like to say that um, anyone who doesn't believe it's an addiction should just try to stop for 30 days. No masturbation, no pornography, and see what happens. Uh, that would be the first one. The second one is that it doesn't harm anyone, that it's just pornography and all the women are doing it consensually. Um, pornography has directly contributed to human trafficking. In fact, it's one of the biggest contributors to it. And a lot of, uh, a lot of vulnerable populations are impacted by it. Um, a lot of people are making money off it. And there's a whole new sex trafficking industry that's based on OnlyFans. When a man approaches a woman and says, hey, I will manage your OnlyFans for you because I'm a marketer. I know how to do it. And he makes some money. Eventually, he has to recruit more women. Um, this, there's a very fine line there. And I don't want to get into any triggering material. But um, women end up being trafficked and end up being pimped on OnlyFans. And men make money this way. The same is done with Pornhub. And a lot of webcam sites um, are pretty much women who are trafficked. Uh, that would be one of the, the second myths. Probably one of the biggest ones is the fact that men believing that they can end this compulsive behavior on their own. Um, it is, there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of guilt attached to this behavior. And a lot of men believe that, you know what, this is just porn. I was masturbating when I was 13, 14 years old. I can stop on my own. So they keep trying, they keep failing. And there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that comes up, but your ego won't let you seek help for this. Um, like there's no way I'm gonna sit down and tell a therapist that I cannot keep my hands off my penis. Unfortunately, this keeps men stuck to the point that it's too late. And it is heartbreaking to have somebody come in. Um, the worst, the worst scenario was when <laughs> this client came to me because he had a problem with pornography, and it it had escalated to the point that he was viewing transgender uh, individuals. That was his addiction. Mm -hmm. That was the genre he was addicted to. One day he's working from home. This is during the pandemic. Viewing that sort of pornography. Wife comes home with their daughter, who's about three, four years old. Um, and she calls out to him to come help her get something from the garage. So he goes in and he, he closes his laptop. Well, his daughter, Opens maybe the go laptop. Yeah. a show on, on the laptop. So she runs in cause she's so excited and TV's off. So she runs in, she opens it and he and his wife walk into the daughter screaming at what she sees. He lost pretty much everything by the point he, by the time he came to me. And I said, I asked him, <laughs> I was like, you knew this was a problem. You knew the risk. You knew it was escalating. Why didn't you seek help? And he honestly thought he could end it on his own. He truly believed it. It never crossed his mind that there was anybody who could support him. They were already in couples counseling. He was like, there's no reason to tell the therapist. I don't think they can help me. I can take care of this part of it on my own. Sure. And this is due to the myth that it's not a serious issue. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's a, it's a good point. And it is, it's one of those things. I think two things, one sexual issues do carry a lot of shame. And there's that, there's that idea of shame that is, it's very hard to cope to because admitting you have that issue first, uh, more so than an alcoholic, more so than a drug addict. It's one of those personal private things that, you know, is it does carry that weight to it. And then the second thing I think is that, that we'd be remiss in not discussing is the sheer accessibility. I mean, I remember at least when I was a kid, 
not that I'm that old, but you know, it's like you, you had to like copy a whole brick of a VHS tape and sneak it off to a friend in a brown paper bag. Like it was, you know, and it was like, it was, there was a ritual in accessing the porn. Now it's like, I have kids and I'm scared to let them have their own phone. Cause it's like, Oh, this is just always there all, you know? And I know a lot of people in different religious communities where, it's it's rampant there where it never was 25 years ago 30 years ago because the accessibility is just so it's it's propagated every corner of the earth at this point and it's and it's free and it's easy and so it's like that you know there's the the shame of obtaining the pornography is gone and so now you're left with just the shame of actually becoming addicted to it Absolutely. To to add to the accessibility, we should also add um, that you can access it anonymously. Yeah. Um, in the past, you had to be seen getting the VHS. So if we were to go even further back, traveling across town to get the magazine. Or going to a theater be, where there's other people. Or going to a theater. Or going to the there rental store and like going through those beaded curtains, you know? I mean, like that was a thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now you could... Kids could be sitting right in front of their parents and there's pornography on their phones and no one would know. Yeah. Yeah. If someone is struggling um, and wants to work directly with you and your team, uh, your website is probably the best way for them to kind of get in touch. Is that right? Absolutely. It would be elevatedrecovery.org. However, I would recommend that before you get in touch with us, you educate yourself a little bit. We have we get lots of people visiting our websites, but one of the things I wanted to mention is that that shame and that guilt really gets triggered for a lot of men when they visit the website or women when they visit the website for their women actually don't have a problem. I'll take that back. Most of the people who apply are women applying on behalf of their husbands. Okay. <laughs> Before you do that, I would highly recommend you send him to our podcast. It's the Porn Reboot Podcast, or you send them to the Porn Reboot YouTube channel. Um, you can just just Google us, and you'll find you'll find us there. Um, and educate yourself a little bit about the issue. We have a lot of people who actually gain a certain measure of control just from using our free resources. And then, when you're ready to speak to someone, check out elevatedrecovery.org. J.K. Amazy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a uh, an education to say the least, and. Uh, keep doing the great work you're doing and, and spreading some clarity on the issue. Cause it is a very cloudy space and it's nice to have someone who has such a sharp position that, that speaks with such great uh, articulation on the subject. I appreciate it, John. Thank you for having me. Thank you. If you're interested in learning how to get the absolute most out of your romantic relationships, then you're in luck because I have put together a free workshop or masterclass, if you will, about three secrets that people in happy relationships have discovered. You can view the workshop at mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. Again, it's completely free. Just go there and watch it. It'll help you on your journey, give you some wisdom, some things to think about. The website again is mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. That's mrspirituality.com slash the number three, the word secrets. It's all yours. Enjoy. Enjoy.